Hello there, and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. Well, this is quite an unusual one uh, and a classic extract from one of our classic episodes. This is uh, a small bit of my conversation with John C. Riley. To hear the full hour-long interview and an extra extract with Sarah Silverman and more deep-dive chats with hundreds of the greatest Irish people ever live and people with a connection to Ireland, go over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. It'll only take you a minute to sign up for premium, but for less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to absolutely everything we've ever made. Hundreds of episodes, bonus series, bonus content, access to everything I've done. And you'll be able to walk around with the confidence and spring your step of a person who knows they helped this series survive and grow through this very difficult time. Speaking of difficult times, Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner. Jigsaw are a youth mental health charity that works to provide young people in Ireland with the mental health skills they will need to survive this life. Obviously, since the pandemic, they've seen a surge in demand for their one-to-one and online services. Their phone line, their webinars, their website is under tremendous strain and needs your help. If you want, go over to jigsaw.ie, check out the site. Maybe they can help you. Maybe they can help someone young in your life or maybe through a regular donation, you can help them. That's jigsaw.ie, the chosen charity partner of an Irishman abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Jonathan Rigo! So yeah, uh, this is great. Thank you guys for coming. This is uh, amazing to get this opportunity. I don't know where to begin. First of all, I thought it might be good to set up what we're going to talk about tonight, because outside of Creative Minds, we're here to celebrate this movie that you've made. So maybe, Clark, as a producer of it, maybe you'd set up this first clip that we've got lined up, just so the people in the room get a sense oh. of this masterpiece that you've created. I thought it was a painting. So, um, we pick up in the film in the very beginning, Ralph and Vanellope are the best of friends. Everything is perfect in the arcade, but one day, Vanellope's uh, game, Sugar Rush, the steering wheel breaks. And that means that her game is going to be unplugged, and if the game is unplugged, she's going to be homeless. So Ralph decides that the best thing for them to do is actually go into the internet and try and find a replacement part. They've heard there's a replacement part at a magical place called eBay. And uh, so they're headed to try and figure out where the hell this eBay place is. And the interesting thing for the team in terms of figuring out how to develop the idea of what would the internet look like was we would always talk about how do we personify these different ideas in the internet. So when it came to the idea of eBay, we said, well, eBay is a place where you bid on items. So it's like an auction house. 
So it felt to us like you should have lots of auctioneers in this place called eBay. So we're going to pick up with Ralph and Vanellope going into eBay looking to get a steering wheel to fix her game. Ladies and gentlemen, the next item up, a black velvet painting of a sorrowful kitten. Bidding starts at $25. For the beaver, the beautifully taxidermied beaver at $850. Gently used artificial hip. And the bidding's open at $10. Do I hear $20? I hear $350. Who'll give me $350? $50, now who'll give me $350? Going once, going twice, and sold! The tortilla chip shaped like international superstar Beyonce Knowles goes for $400. Yay, so happy! Are you understanding how this game works? I think all you have to do is, like, yell out the biggest number and then you win this stuff? <laughs> I thought Qbert's game was weird. Hey, kid, hop up here and see if you can tell where they keep their steering wheels. Well, there's a bunch of, like, sports memorabilia and big baby clothes called lingerie. Huh. Go to the right. Move right. Oh, there's a row with a bunch of old video game junk. Oh, there it is! There it is! I see! Oh, someone else is trying to win it. Come on, hurry! Let's go! We got 275, and with 30 seconds left in the auction, we have 275. Who do I hear? Can I get a three? Can I get a three? I'll give you three. I got three. Can I get a 305? 305? Can I get a 305? 305. 305. Can I get a 310? Can you bid 310? 310. 315. 320. 325. Oh, man. This guy's good. He keeps coming up with numbers like it's nothing. I have three and a quarter. Do I hear 350? 350. 350. 350. 1,000. 1,000. We now have a bid of 1,000. Way to go, kid. That is a huge number. Thank you. Check this out. 15. 15,000? Do I hear 15,500? 15, 15, 16! 17! 18! 20! 23! 25! 27! 27 and 1! And sold for 27,001 to the barefoot hobo in the broken overalls! Hey! That's me! Oh, we won! <laughs> we won! Congratulations! Here's your voucher for auction item 197324579. Please take it to check out for processing. I mean, I, I, no one in the room has pretty much had the opportunity to see it. I saw the whole thing last week, and this is just a tiny taste of what is essentially, to me, a masterpiece. Uh, wow. Like, it really is. The people are going to be blown away by the ambition, the scale, the complexity of the emotions and relationships involved, and an ending that I don't think anybody's going to see coming. When I started to put together what we might talk about tonight, I thought, Let's not start with this piece. Let's talk about your beginnings. We know Ralph and Vanellope's beginnings. I know for a fact, John, that you never thought a movie actor was even a possibility in your periphery. No, not at all. That, there, I didn't know anyone when I was growing up on the south side of Chicago in a very Irish Catholic neighborhood, uh, listening to Irish traditional music, I might add. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know anyone even who was an actor, so I, I didn't, I just, I started doing uh, theater classes and then uh, at the park near my house and I started doing musicals and stuff like that, but I, I always thought it was that acting or doing plays or theater was something that you did for fun, because that couldn't possibly be a job, it's too fun, like why would someone pay you to do that, like, and I didn't have any reference points in my life until, uh, until I was nearly finished with university actually. And all along that way, I just kept thinking, I have to get a job, I have to get a job. Like, what am I gonna do? And I was thinking, uh, you know, priest, lawyer? Uh, cop? Cop, no, it's way too dangerous. 
And then at some point I realized, well, a friend of mine who grew up in the same neighborhood as me got, Kevin J. O'Connor is his name, okay. another great Irish-American, uh, got cast in this movie called Peggy Sue Got Married that Francis Ford Coppola directed. And he, he, was, he graduated just before me. And when I, when I saw him do that, I suddenly thought, wow, like someone from my neighborhood could be asked to be in a movie. And it wasn't really until I was, I was at the last year of university that I decided, okay, well, I'll try to make this my job, you know? Well, it, it, Which was a, a great choice, I must say. <laughs> it worked out very well. Yeah, it's worked out. But uh, it also has ramifications for the movie itself, in that this is a movie about finding your path and uh, Vanellope seeing maybe something different for herself. Yeah. And obviously, Gal Gadot's character is you know, kind of the uh, catalyst for yeah. that. I think we all have those people in our lives. Maybe do the three of you similarly kind of came to this path in an unusual way. Let, can yeah. you tell us anything about your beginning that might inspire the creatives in this room to uh, accept that maybe the path isn't as straight and linear as we think. Yeah, I mean, my, uh, my story is not entirely different from John's in that I grew up about 200 miles north of Chicago in Wisconsin, and my dad was an Anglican priest. And uh, I lived in this small town, and similarly, never occurred to me that filmmaking was a career that I could do. It was, I didn't even know how movies worked. And so even when I graduated from undergrad uh, college, I decided to become a journalist, and I worked as a journalist for 10 years before... And won three Emmys, I believe. I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to see them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have photos, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tweet it to you all or something. Um, I had to drop it in, you weren't going to do it. No, um, but when I was almost 30, I started thinking about what is my real passion, and, and my wife, Jill, if you're looking for one person who sort of said, you, you have to do this. If this is really what you want to do, now is the time. You can't wait. You can't sit there. And, and I, I felt like if I were still a journalist, as much as I loved that job, if I were doing that 10 or 15 years down the line, I would have regret. And regret is something that I, I try to avoid. Yeah. Regret mitigation is uh, <laughs> what I'm about. And Jill, we were sitting on the couch, and she said, you have to do, do this. So I went back at the age of 30 to get my MFA in filmmaking. And uh, uh, that's, whatever, 18 years ago, 17 years ago, and here we are. Unbelievable. And uh, you know, this, like, we, we do need to go down the line, because each story is quite unusual. Like, it is, it's fitting that this is the movie that you've created, considering mm -hmm each of your backgrounds. Uh, maybe you want to tell us a little about yours, right? Sure, well, um, I loved animation from a young age. From age five, I went to my first movie in a movie theater with my family, and it was Disney's The Jungle Book. And I had no, like I knew cartoons from television, but something about that experience uh, really stayed with me. I had no idea like how it was being done. You know, I didn't know if it was drawings or people in costumes or what it was, <laughs> but I just knew like I love this. You know, I love the way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it makes me feel. I want to do whatever that is. You know, with my life, and that became kind of a, a magnetic north. You know, all throughout. Uh, my, my youth and teenage years, but 
like John, it's, there was no one in my, I grew up in uh, Ventura County, Southern California, not far from Los Angeles, but there was no one in, in my neighborhood, my town, that had ever you know, mm. thought of doing something like that. When I would tell people, I wanna be an animator, they would kind of look at me strange and say, do they still do that? Do they still make cartoons? So along the way, I was kind of aimless. You know, I knew that there was a college in Valencia called CalArts where they had you know, a major in animation, but I didn't quite know how to get there. And after I graduated from high school, uh, I went to junior college and I thought, I, same with John, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, it's like, I think I need to kind of hang this idea up because I even had friends that would say to me, like, who from Oxnard has ever gone on to work in animation? You know, what makes you think that you can do this? And there was one moment where my older brother said to me, like, what, whatever happened to that idea about going to CalArts? You know, because I was really starting to give up at that point. Like, I was right on the cusp of hanging up that passion that, that hit me at age five. And I was like, well, I, I don't know, you know, how to get there. I don't know, you know, what, what's involved to even, I, I don't know how to put together a portfolio. And to his credit, he said, let's go right now. Let's go up to CalArts. I've got the afternoon, let's, let's go up there. It's only, you know, an hour away. Let's drive to Valencia and talk to the people up there. And he was, was that person. If, for whatever reason, that day, he, we hadn't had that conversation, I would not be sitting here. And we went up there, you know, met with the counselors at the college who spelled out exactly how I needed to get there because I, I'm not bad with filling out forms and anything like that, you know. And from that day forward, I've, I've been on this path that, that led me to here. Well, like I said, uh, Clark, ambition's a huge part of, of this whole thing. Maybe you, Clark, are best uh, fitted as a producer of it to explain to our audience like the scale of what you guys undertook with this. Because to take on the internet and place something in the internet, I mean, where does it even begin? Who presents you with the idea? And as a producer, how much are you raising your eyebrows going, we'll never pull this off? <laughs> well, it is true. Rich and Phil, when they first started to pitch ideas for making a second uh, film here with Ralph and Vanellope, they talked about the idea of the internet. And it seemed like such a natural choice. If you've seen the first movie, there's a plug outlet known as Game Central Station. You could plug anything into it. If you plugged in a Wi-Fi router, they could actually go into the internet. It's something we all use every single day. And one of the things we love to do in animation is try to bring to life a world that you interact with that you never saw in a certain way. So it's our chance to actually personify what is it like when you go onto your computer and you take that mouse and you click on a website, what actually happens behind that screen. That got us really excited, but then the reality hits, well, what is that? You know, most of our teams get to travel to, for Frozen, they go to Norway, or for Moana, they go to the South Pacific, and they actually get to see physical things that they can then use as a representation of the world they're gonna build, but the internet doesn't exist that way. And in the very beginning, I think to us, we thought, is it just something that exists like a cloud? Is it just up in the air? 
And then we always go to the same place, research. And that's really where the ideas started to come to us. And we met with experts that talked about the fact that the internet is layers built upon layers, kind of like Rome, you know, old websites, and then a new website, and then a newer one on top of that. That gave us the idea of a vertical nature for the internet. And probably one of the biggest breakthroughs was we went to a building in downtown Los Angeles called One Wilshire Boulevard. And it is a building that houses all the internet connections for communication for the entire West Coast. And in that building, it is just server boxes and wires. And as simple as that sounds, it started to give us the visual that the server boxes would be like the actual websites and the wires would be the mode of transportation. And that started to really get our visual development team the opportunity to start thinking about how would this world start to expand. I mean, it is, it is an extraordinary task, right? Even in the vastness and the scale, but also in the responsibility, right? Because what you're doing to this young audience is essentially explaining to them this thing that they regard as the key to most of the things they want in life, whether it's my son coming to me and going, Daddy, just get it on eBay. If we don't have it somewhere, the eBay will have it. He's no clue what it is. So there's this responsibility to the audience in that way. I know you were conscious of that, particularly with this don't read the comments scene, which I think everybody in the room understands. You never go below the line. Uh, but uh, you had to articulate that in a way that didn't make kids think the internet's a horrible place, which many people may argue it is. It was essential, I think, for us, and, and we were somewhat emboldened by Zootopia that you know audiences are okay with heavier, headier subject matter, um, but that we weren't going to portray the internet as just a gleaming city on the mm. hill, but that there are negative things and, and insidious things that, that can really hurt people. And I think for a character like Ralph, who is insecure, hanging out in a comments room is, is pretty bad news. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe now might be a good time to give people a little look. Merrick, if you want to roll the clip, we have the clip of the uh, don't read the comments scene, just to give you an idea of exactly how well they articulate this <laughs> tricky thing. Anybody in here? is this place? Some kind of library? Wreck-It Ralph is back. Hey, you're talking about me. Gee whiz, the internet is so positive. <laughs> Fix-It Felix Jr. was my favorite game. <laughs> Mine too. Ralph's videos stink. What? So stupid. Ralph is the worst. I hate him. He's so fat and ugly. Just a worthless bum alone on a pile of bricks. Yo, Ralph! You in here, dude? Hey, I gotta show you! Oh. First rule of the internet. Do not read the comments. Should have told you that. Look, this place can bring out the worst in some people, but you gotta ignore all this. This isn't about you, Ralph, it's about them. I don't care, it's fine. People hated me my whole life for being a bad guy. Just a good reminder that this is the only heart that really matters. Penelope gave me this, and as long as she likes me, I don't need anybody else. And I sure don't need the internet. Hold on. 
it's not all bad. The internet can also be a place where you find a steering wheel at one website and make enough money to buy it at another one. Congratulations, Ralph. You did it! Wait, really? Yes! Check your Buzzy account. You needed 27K, you got over 30 grand! Oh my gosh, this is great! <laughs> Thank you, yes, I couldn't have done it without you! That's really true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John, maybe you can talk about that scene. And obviously, as someone who, you know, you put creative work out there and you know, comments are passed about you. Must, this must have resonance for you as an actor and a creator yourself. Yeah, well, first of all, I think I, I'm really proud of the fact that in the film, we don't shy away from the intensity of that experience. And also some of the other things regarding friendship and people moving on from each other, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, this comments thing, it's, it's an interesting thing because if, if rule number one of the internet is don't read the comments, who's reading the comments? Why do they exist <laughs> if a tree falls in a forest? Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't use social media. I don't read, I'm not interested in the comments. <laughs> of people I don't know. Uh, call me crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm also not interested in the love or the affirmation of anonymous people. You know, that, that seems to be a real modern day kind of addiction. This, uh, I don't know. So um, my, in my own life, I avoid this stuff because I focus on the people that I know and love. And that's where I look for affirmation and, and feedback, constructive or otherwise. But yeah, this is a, this is a, you know, that's me, a 53-year-old man. Even if I do happen to stumble across something that's really hurtful. And look, looking the way I do, like, I've looked like a 50-year-old man since I was 18. <laughs> so I'm used to people making judgments about my appearance. Like, I, I, won't, I won't dignify, well, there, there's... People, <laughs> people have a tendency to lead off the article, even if they're saying something nice in the article with, I sat down with potato-faced John C. Riley and like, Jesus, like, all right, that's what we're opening with? Cauliflower head? Great. Uh, so, so I'm weathered from it, you know, like, and I realize like sometimes people are just, they're just looking for a way to get attention for the thing that they've done. You know, it doesn't really affect me. If I was 10 years old and this existed and someone was able to come out of nowhere and just hit me really hard with a physical criticism or, or any kind of like, you know, very hostile criticism, that would have been a lot to weather. So I'm really glad that we deal with it head on in, in this movie and that we talk about not only how to deal with the negative aspects coming back at you from anonymous sources. And I do think that's the, that's the crux of it, the, mm, the, the anonymity. anonymity of it. I think if we could somehow change that, <laughs> mm. then I think it would be a much more civil discourse. But not only that, but the fact that we also deal with this hearts, hearts, hearts. We, in, the, in the film, my character makes viral videos in order to raise money, in order to get this part so they can save Penelope's game. And, and he starts to crave this anonymous attention and love. And I think that's also a natural thing. It's, you know, uh, human beings are wired to want acceptance, you know, and feel appreciated. And I live in a very 
a very comfortable position in my life of where any, my work is widely known and my, my identity is widely known. Like, I walk into a room and chances are, if you've been to the movie in the last 30 years, you know who I am already. But if I was 15 years old and I wanted to, the world to know me, you know, I, I understand that. That's, there's nothing, you know, essentially wrong about that. But the movie talks about it in a way like, how, how do we manage that? Mm. It's a reality, and I think that's something we talked about early on when we were talking about our treatment of the internet, and I had a lot of really interesting conversations with not only these guys, but with the animators themselves. I'd go at, to Disney, and, and it was just such, a, such an exciting moment as we are putting this together because the internet is the central issue of our age. And so even though we're, we're doing it in an entertaining, like, fun movie, we're getting to talk about the central issue of our time, you know, like, uh, so we didn't shirk that responsibility and we tried to talk about it in a real way and, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, you know, through, throughout it all, I would, from the very beginning, and I had willing accomplices in this, but from the very beginning of the first film and now this film, I've always been an advocate for humanism within the story. And even though we're doing entertaining things and kinetic things and exciting things, that at the base of it, there's a real beating heart and there's a reality, an emotional reality to these characters. That was always really, really important to me because kids and I think people in general like crave that nourishment, that emotional nourishment that you get from really dealing with stuff in a real way as opposed to you know, a movie that you forget within 30 yeah. seconds of leaving the theater. I totally agree, because you, you, if you guys want to add anything here, that, that sincerity that you've captured between that relationship is, is really rare, and obviously something you chased. What was, was not to preach about it, mm. you know, because it would be easy to kind of get up on a soapbox and say, internet bullying is bad, you know, yeah. don't, don't do that, or even in Zootopia that we didn't, want to take, it was a movie about racism, you know, and we didn't want to sugarcoat it and say, well, Judy Hopps is, has cured racism. She solved it. You know, we, we approach it as here's the topic, you know, and we see our main character who thinks that they're above it, you know, actually experience it and then commit it himself, you know, to, to another person and then how does he rise above it as, you know, as, as we approach it in this movie? How does Ralph kind of get out of this hole that he's kind of dug for himself? And to me, it's, it's important to dramatize you know, the topic that we're talking about and, and not, you know, I, I hated as a kid any movie that oh, yeah. was kind you of talking down away. to yeah. me yeah. and trying to, to teach me a lesson, <laughs> yeah. you know, so. I'd much rather, you know, just watch the character experience things that I'm experiencing in life, and then after the movie, perhaps it will it will inspire people to kind of think yeah, about it, maybe talk about it, maybe yeah. something that they feel like they're the only one that's going through it. If they see a character in a movie, like I would always think as a kid, oh, I felt like that. That's something that I'm going through, and. Maybe I would talk to my parents about it or a friend. Yeah, I mean, it's an extraordinary job and something our audience will fully understand, the deftness of touch and the elegance with which you've done it. That like, for the start of this conversation, we have talked about the more serious building blocks of what is a really 
funny movie. Let's not get away from that. Right. And I, I kind of jokingly said before uh, that you know you're working off the script, John. But from the first uh, movie, you and Sarah voiced it opposite each other. Is that directly so that you can access that improv muscle the two of you share? Yeah, not only Sarah and I, but everyone I speak to in the film, I, I'm in the room with. I think I, I, I don't. Except Gal, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that was something. When I first was approached for the first film, Rich came to me and said, you know, I want you to do this part. And I thought the idea of working for some big corporation with a lot of different voices in the stew and going in and just reading a scene and doing as you're told like, didn't sound very engaging or fulfilling to me. So I said, I don't want to do that. And, Rich asked me why, and I said, because of those reasons. And Rich said, well, we, we can do it however we want to do it. And so if you want to be in the room with the, with the other actors, we can do that. And uh, it's funny, because I, on one hand, you could think, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, you edit these voices together, and you, you create an illusion. Animation is so deliberately uh, constructed anyway. But the truth is that there is a soulfulness that comes there from being in the room. And if you're going to improvise, which these guys wonderfully allow us and encourage us to do, uh, it's almost like getting to participate in the script process in the room. There it is. That's just the beginning. To hear almost 60 minutes more of this conversation and hundreds more full-length Irishman Abroad episodes and shows, join us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Help support the creation and continuation of this series for years to come. For less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to all our episodes, shows, live events. And for a limited time only, everyone who signs up in the first two weeks of August will get my brand new stand-up comedy special, Notions 11, shot by my favourite director, Mike Donnelly, in Vicker Street in March 2020. That's hundreds of hours of entertainment, inspiration and laughter for less than the price of one of your fancy coffees over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. I want to say thanks to my ultrasound producer, as always, Brian Connolly, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible, and finally, to our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw. Jigsaw.ie are a youth mental health charity that is changing and saving lives across all communities back in Ireland. Now, more than ever, they could do with your support. Go to Jigsaw.ie to see their great work, get some help with the young people in your life, or maybe... Through a donation, you can help them.